This is day 182 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Habakkuk chapters 2 and 3, and then we will complete the book of Zephaniah, which is going to be three chapters. Lord Heavenly Father, your ways are so beyond our ways. What we know about you, you have revealed about yourself in your word. We are humbled by your very presence, Lord God. Please help us to understand that your ways are far beyond our ways. Your thoughts are beyond our thoughts. Sometimes you do things that are incomprehensible to us. But, Lord, you, we know that your ways are the best, and they are good, and they are for our good. Lord, as we enter into your word today, help us to have that posture of humility in your presence, to recognize your sovereignty, to recognize your power, that we may respect and adore you for who you are. Please bless the reading of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man, so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and he is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. Will not all of these take up a taunt song against him, even mockery and insinuations against him, and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his? For how long? And makes himself rich with loans. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly, and those who collect from you awaken? Indeed, you will become plunder for them, because you have looted many nations. All the remainder of the peoples will loot you, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, and puts his nest on high to be delivered from the hand of calamity. You have devised a shameful thing for your house by cutting off many peoples. So you are sinning against yourself. Surely the stone will cry out from the wall, and the rafter will answer it from the framework. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. Is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that people toil for fire? and nations grow weary for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your venom even to make them drunk, as to look on their nakedness. You will be filled with disgrace rather than honor. Now you yourself drink and expose your own nakedness. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you.
and utter disgrace will come upon your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and the devastation of its beasts by which you terrified them, because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. What profit is the idol when its maker has carved it, or an image, a teacher of falsehood? For its maker trusts in his own handiwork when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, Awake! To a mute stone, Arise! And that is your teacher? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all inside it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianath. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Salah. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence, and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, their perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation. Your bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement were sworn. Selah. You cleaved the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpour of waters swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of your arrows, at the radiance of your gleaming spear. In indignation you marched through the earth. In anger you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You struck the head of the house of the evil to lay him open from thigh to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own spears the head of his throngs. They stormed in to scatter us. Their exultation was like those who devour the oppressed in secret. You trampled on the sea with your horses, on the surge of many waters. I heard, and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, 
though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind's feet, and makes me walk on my high places. For the choir director, on my stringed instruments. The word of the Lord, which came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will completely remove all things from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will remove man and beast. I will remove the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, and the ruins along with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. So I will stretch out my hand against Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the names of the idolatrous priests along with the priests, and those who bow down on the housetops to the host of heaven, and those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom and those who have turned back from following the Lord, and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of him. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. Then it will come about on the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes, the king's sons, and all who clothe themselves with foreign garments. And I will punish on that day all who leap on the temple threshold, who fill the house of their Lord with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, there will be a sound of a cry from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the people of Canaan will be silenced. All who weigh out silver will be cut off. It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good or evil. Moreover, their wealth will become plunder, and their houses desolate. Yes, they will build houses, but not inhabit them and plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord! In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath and all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, 
indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather yourselves together, yes, gather, O nation, without shame, before the decree takes effect. The day passes like the chaff, before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth, who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza will be abandoned, and Ashkelon a desolation. Ashdod will be driven out at noon, and Ekron will be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the sea coast, the nation of the Cherethites! The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you so that there will be no inhabitant. So the sea coast will be pastures, with caves for shepherds and folds for flocks, and the coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They will pasture on it. In the houses of Ashkelon they will lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will care for them and restore their fortune. I have heard the taunting of Moab, and the revilings of the sons of Ammon, with which they have taunted my people, and became arrogant against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be like Sodom, and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah a place possessed by nettles and salt pits, and a perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them, and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. This they will have in return for their pride, because they have taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrifying to them, for he will starve all the gods of the earth and all the coastlands of the nations will bow down to him, everyone from his own place. You also, O Ethiopians, will be slain by the sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, parched like the wilderness. Flocks will lie down in her midst, all beasts which range in herds, both the pelican and the hedgehog will lodge in the tops of her pillars. Birds will sing in the window. Desolation will be on the threshold, for he has laid bare the cedar work. This is the exultant city which dwells securely, who says in her heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. How she has become a desolation, a resting place for beasts. Everyone who passes by her will hiss and wave his hand in contempt. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the tyrannical city. She heeded no voice. She accepted no instruction. She did not trust in the Lord. She did not draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves at evening. They leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. 
The Lord is righteous within her. He will do no injustice. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their corner towers are in ruins. I have made their streets desolate, with no one passing by. Their cities are laid waste, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, Surely you will revere me. Accept instruction. So her dwelling will not be cut off, according to all that I have appointed concerning her. But they were eager to corrupt all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up as a witness, indeed, my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, all my burning anger. For all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. For then I will give to the peoples purified lips, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord, to serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshippers, my dispersed ones, will bring my offering. In that day you will feel no shame because of all your deeds, by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proud, exulting ones, and you will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. But I will leave among you a humble and lowly people, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. For they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion! Shout in triumph, O Israel! Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem! The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I will gather those who grieve about the appointed feasts. They come from you, O Zion. The reproach of exile is a burden on them. Behold, I am going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, even at the time when I gather you together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. All right, congratulations. We finished two more books of the Bible, moving right along through the Old Testament here. So let's recap what happened in Habakkuk. So as we saw in chapter 1, 
Habakkuk has some difficult questions to ask God. And unfortunately, he is like Job in this way, that he questions God's motives, as if God has to explain himself. But here in chapter 1, Habakkuk is declaring that God is unjust. And yet, we don't see God being angry with him. He understands his heart and that he loves the Lord, but yet he wants to understand why he does things. And then he asks some more difficult questions about why he allows wicked people to prosper. And not only why they get to prosper, but why are you using evil people to punish your chosen people? And then he says that in the beginning of chapter 2, that he is going to wait and see what God is going to say. He is demanding an answer from God. And God doesn't have to answer him, but he chooses to, and it is amazing what he says. So he was instructed to write down on tablets whatever God was going to tell him, so that whoever reads it may run in order to proclaim what has been read. So that's what he means by whoever reads it will run. However, the last phrase may also mean write it plainly so that anyone who runs his eye over the tablet will read it easily. So there's a couple ways that we can dissect that, but ultimately, whatever is written down is going to be for someone's instruction. There is judgment coming for them, and it's going to come from the land of Babylon. But what's beautiful about this is that God is telling Habakkuk to wait for him. Such should be our posture with God, isn't it? We should always be waiting for him and depending on his discipline and instruction. Because he is showing Habakkuk here all the injustices that the people are doing and why he is vindicated and he must act. While it may be incomprehensible how he does it or why he does it a particular way, he reminds Habakkuk here, kind of like he did with Isaiah, my thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are way beyond your ways. But ultimately, at the end, in verse 14, this is what I want. The earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That's what he wants. He wants the whole world to know who he is and ultimately to worship him. Now, will this happen in this time? Probably not. This is most likely a future event, usually in the day of the Lord. So this might be end times talk here, but ultimately that is what his goal is. But he also shows Habakkuk that when people sin against the Lord, they're not hurting him in any way. He reminds him in verses 8 and 9 that, Woe to him who gets evil gain, or puts his nest on high. You have devised a shameful thing for your house, but you are just sinning against yourself. You're not harming me at all. You are not inflicting damage upon me. You are just shaming yourself. And he shows us that as well in verses 15 and 16. It's a nice reminder for us as well that we bring shame on ourselves. Like it says here, Woe to you who makes your neighbors drink who mix in your venom even to make them drunk so as to look on their nakedness. You will be filled to disgrace rather than honor. Now you yourself drink and expose your own nakedness. 
the cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter disgrace will come upon your glory. That should frighten us, especially when it comes to things like secret sins. Yes, he's referring to a nation like Babylon, but at the same time, this is very applicable to us personally, isn't it? What happened here in verse 15? They were purposely trying to intoxicate people so that they could see their nakedness. Now, that could be taken very literally, but it's symbolic of some things. So, for example, the Babylonians here were treating their victims that they were conquering with inhumane indignities. So he likens it as to someone who makes his neighbor drunk so that he can take pleasure in that person's shameful nakedness. So in the very same way, we are capable of doing that to others, and we most certainly are capable of doing it to ourselves. Why is this a problem? Because not only is it disobedient to God, but he will bring shame on you, and he will expose you for what you are. Whatever is hidden will be revealed. So we have to be very careful not to have secret sins. You can fool everyone around you, but God knows exactly what you're doing. And it is displeasing to him to be having some sort of secret agenda in your inner man or doing things that you know are wrong, but you do them anyway. We are all guilty of that. I am as well. And all we have to do is repent. We have to repent and stay away from those things. In the same way that we do that, verses 18 through 20 show us idolatry, how stupid it is. Because people make their own gods, they prop them up, and they worship them, even though they have no breath in them. But the Lord is in his holy temple, and let the, all the earth be silent before him. That language in the Hebrew is very strong. The be silent is almost like, shut your mouth, or be quiet. Very strong, definitive language here. So when God reveals all this to him in chapter 2, then we see that Habakkuk responds, and he is overwhelmed with what God has done. Now, verses 3 through 15 seem to indicate that he saw a theophany. He saw a vision of a physical manifestation of God. And when the Lord revealed himself, he also revealed judgments that he has planned, as well as the praise that he expects from his people. So we see verses 4 through 7, it's more focusing on praising the power of God. We see verses 8 through 16, which is praising the purpose of God, what he seeks to do, and everything that happens in the past is pointing to the future judgment. But not only judgment, but also the deliverance of his people. Like it says many times that his chosen people will be redeemed and that he will always leave a remnant. That is a recurring theme throughout the Bible. And then in verse 16, he can't contain himself. He nearly collapsed because of this vision of God. So he was, in his very person, was shaking. He was trembling and overwhelmed in his body. His body couldn't contain it. That's how amazing this vision of God was. And then he recognizes that 
I need to shut my mouth and let God do his work. I will wait quietly for the day of distress. I'm not looking forward to the distress, but I look forward to what God is going to instruct me in. And ultimately, that's the outcome here, is that God is not going to punish us anymore as his chosen people. As his children, he doesn't punish us anymore. He disciplines us. And then in the last few verses, even though that the Babylonian invasion would strip the land, Habakkuk rejoiced in the Lord. The idea that your feet are like hind's feet are, is more kind of like a sure-footed confidence or knowing that God will help you strengthen to get where he wants you to go. There is an old book written called Hind's Feet in High Places, and it's a very nice book. It's, I recommend that to anybody. It's very, very well done and based off of the Word of God. And then that ends Habakkuk. Now, Zephaniah is the next prophet we have, and he's actually a nobleman because we see his lineage here, and he's related to some of the kings by extension. So Zephaniah is right at the same time as when Josiah becomes the young king of Judah. And Zephaniah's ministry is more or less about 15 years before Jeremiah. So in like fashion with these other prophets, he is proclaiming judgment against Judah. Of all the dark things that they have done, and especially some of the ugly ones that we still see today, Baal worship, People still worship Baal, just in a different form. They worship the host of heaven, which we call that astrology today, right? The worship of the horoscope, the zodiac, the divination, uh, crystal balls, all that stuff. That's all a bunch of baloney. And then it also says that they swear by the Lord, and yet they also swear by Milcom. Milcom's another name for Molech, and Molech is disgusting. He's the one that they would burn their children in the fire. And really, if you want to call it in today's world, Molech is the god of abortion. And a major theme of Zephaniah is the day of the Lord. We see that beginning in verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. Now, this was written hundreds of years before Christ. And the day of the Lord has not come yet. And yet, even back then, they were saying that the day of the Lord is near. So, very interesting. So, you see, like, example in verse 14, how near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. The same kind of language we see in the New Testament, especially the book of Revelation. And then, what it describes in verses 15 and 16 is not fun stuff. It's a day of wrath, it's a day of trouble, it's a day of destruction, a day of darkness. So some people thought when the Messiah was going to come, they thought that he was going to be from God, which that's true, he was and is, and yet there are some people that were rejoicing in the coming of this Messiah, but there were some that were fearful of the coming of the Messiah, because some thought when the Messiah came, then all of this would come. And this is not pretty stuff. This is all very negative and very scary stuff. And so some people looked at the day of the Messiah to be a fearful day. But some understood the true intention of it 
and it was a day of great joy. But again, we understand this passage of Scripture, that it depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you're a child of God, this is a day of rejoicing, and if you are not redeemed by grace, then this is going to be a bad day for you. So in chapter 2 of Zephaniah, the overarching theme is that God wants his people to repent. Like he says in verse 3, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth, who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. We will be spared from the judgment and the destruction of the earth if we are saved. And that's kind of what it's alluding to here. Then he has judgments, beginning in verse 4, for different nations around Israel. So one, first it will be for the Philistines, which he promises they will be completely wiped out, and they are. There are no more Philistines today, just like Edomites. Moab and Ammon are then judged, beginning in verse 8. And then Ethiopia, to the south, is judged, beginning in verse 12. And then he also judges Assyria in verse 13 through 15. And we know through the other prophets we read that that does happen. And then chapter 3 is judgment against Jerusalem. And then beginning in verse 8, it is judgment against nations that are against God. And then it says that you need to be aware of that day because when it comes, all of his burning anger will devour the world by the fire of his zeal. That is going to be devastation that we have never seen before. But I love how God does this at the end of the chapter to end the book. It is a message of hope and blessing. The very first thing that he says in verses 9 and 10 is that the blessings will come to the Gentiles. And that was apparently overlooked by the Jewish leaders of their day. There's also blessings for Jews in verse 11 through the end of the chapter, as well as for the remnant, which we see beginning in verse 13. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Again, that's pointing to the end times, because that has not happened yet. So he's referring to, in that section, the millennial kingdom. Then we see the reoccurring themes, like we will see God purely worshipped, we'll see the Jewish nation regathering, and then Christ will personally reign in their midst in verse 15. There will be security from all their enemies, their enemies will be punished, and Israel will be restored to her land. And that's very similar language that we see throughout the scriptures. And some people may think, well, that's redundant. Why is the Bible so redundant? No, it's showing us how serious God is about these things, and it proves that it doesn't matter who says it, it's going to happen. It reinforces the legitimacy of these statements. We have to understand that these are different men who did not always associate with each other throughout generations apart sometimes, hundreds of years apart in in some cases. And yet the message remains constant because God is consistent. That's why he's showing us this. The message hasn't changed. God intends to do what he's always intended to do because of the sin of the nations. 
and yet they still don't listen. So they shouldn't be surprised at this point. They've had many warnings, and then he's going to take action. And that wraps up the book of Zephaniah. Tomorrow we will begin and finish the book of Haggai. It's not very long. And then we will spend a few days in the book of Zechariah, which is the longest of the minor prophets, before we finish it off with Malachi, and we enter into the New Testament. So by the end of next week, we're going to already be starting the New Testament. How crazy is that, right? So we're almost there. But until then, that's all that I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.